With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. His question is, can I analyze the case of Brenda Delgado? Brenda Delgado grew up in a lower income area in southeast Dallas. She was the second of five children. Brenda did well in school. She was an excellent student. After school, she worked various part-time jobs, including as a waitress and at a florist. She graduated from high school in 2000. She set her sights on being a physician. This, of course, is an expensive proposition. Brenda didn't have that kind of money. Therefore, she took a job as a dental assistant and another job at a day spa. Brenda was considered attractive. There were many men who expressed an interest in dating her. She was careful about who she dated, very selective. When she would go out on a date, she would not be flirtatious and would not drink too much alcohol. She enjoyed spending her nights out in more expensive areas, whether with friends or on a date. Sometimes she would bring along other people for a first or second date, like one of her brothers or a friend. Brenda moved out of her parents' house and into an apartment of a friend and the friend's husband. She became active on a few dating apps. In August of 2012, Brenda met a man using one of those apps. His name was Ricky Paniagua. Ricky was a dentist. He was six years older than Brenda. He was described as introverted. He had been married before and was just finishing up a divorce. He was considered attractive. There were a number of women who were interested in Ricky. So we see that both Brenda and Ricky did not have trouble finding romantic partners. Within three months, Brenda and Ricky were living in his apartment, which was in a wealthier area of Dallas. Brenda felt as though she was in love with Ricky. She invested a lot of time and energy in the relationship. She had hopes of them getting married someday and raising a family. At one point, Brenda became pregnant and had an abortion. It's not clear who wanted or did not want that to happen, like was it her idea or Ricky's idea. In the fall of 2013, Brenda started in dental hygiene school. When the other students were introducing themselves, they revealed information about their families and various interests. When Brenda introduced herself, she mostly talked about Ricky. By early in 2014, Ricky had given Brenda a promise ring. I guess this is some type of pre-engagement ring. I imagine someone wearing one could say to their friends, look, I'm almost engaged. It's like the ring version of playing house. I'm sure a lot of people who give and receive these promise rings are sincere, but I think when somebody hands another person a promise ring, what they're really saying is, I promise you that I'm not mature. In July of 2014, Brenda and Ricky broke up, offering further evidence of the meaninglessness of the promise ring. Brenda did not take the news well. Her mood started to get unstable. 
her performance in school declined. She withdrew from the dental hygiene program for a few weeks. Ricky, on the other hand, was doing quite well. He appeared to be moving on. He signed up for dance classes at a studio. Brenda decided to show up at the same class. Ricky figured it was a coincidence. The way the class worked, people danced for a while, then switched partners. So eventually, Ricky and Brenda were dancing together. Whatever chemistry they had before appeared to come back. Ricky would later say that they reintroduced each other into one another's lives and decided to give the relationship another try. Now at this time, Brenda was renting a one-room apartment about a mile from where Ricky lived. Ricky didn't offer to have Brenda move in with him. Rather, he assisted her with some of her bills. For example, she was on his cell phone plan. The pair was getting along well. There was talk of marriage, although nobody was throwing around promise rings or anything like that. In February of 2015, Ricky changed his mind again and told Brenda their relationship was over. The two remained friends. Ricky again started moving on with his life. Every now and then he would see Brenda in various places, like when running on a local trail. He believed this was only a coincidence. Ricky started dating and found a new girlfriend. He was with her at a restaurant one time when Brenda showed up. Again, Ricky didn't think anything of it. It appears as though Ricky was unwise to be so trusting. As it turns out, Brenda had passwords to Ricky's email and other accounts, a key to his apartment, and was able to track his phone using an app. Brenda monitored Ricky's dating activity, but did not confront him about his new girlfriend. Brenda was aware from reading emails that the relationship appeared to be doomed. Brenda figured she would just allow nature to take its course. In May of 2015, a larger threat for Brenda entered the picture. Her name was Kendra Hatcher. She was a 35-year-old pediatric dentist who quickly became Ricky's girlfriend after they met on a dating app. Kendra had been married before. She moved to Dallas after getting divorced. She lived in an upscale apartment complex called Gables Park 17. In June of 2015, Ricky sent Brenda an email stating that he had found another girlfriend and the relationship was going very well. He never mentioned Kendra's name, but of course Brenda knew who it was. Brenda tried to make it seem as though she was taking the news well, saying that she wanted to stay friends. She would occasionally meet with Ricky, like one time she gave him a ride to work after he dropped off his car at an automotive shop. She later drove him home. She never talked about the breakup. She never discussed a romantic future together. She was just happy to be there whenever he needed her. Even though she appeared dispassionate, Brenda was actually having difficulty regulating her mood. She continued her spying behavior. During that summer, Ricky and Kendra spent a lot of time together. They went to expensive restaurants and took vacations. On social media, they posted pictures smiling and hugging. There was even talk about getting married. Brenda was aware of all the social media posts. She wondered why Ricky was taking Kendra on nice vacations when he had not done so with her. On one occasion, Brenda was on a date with a car salesman named Roberto Menendez. She spent dinner talking about Ricky and Kendra. Brenda had Roberto drive her to Gables Park 17, where Kendra lived. Roberto would later say that Brenda simply gazed out of the windshield the whole time, like she was looking for somebody. Not long after this, Brenda asked another date if she knew someone who could hurt someone. The man told her, whatever you are thinking, drop it. Brenda took a metal baseball bat with her one time when she met up with her cousin. 
She told him that she would pay him if he threatened Kendra with the bat. He declined. Later, Brenda focused her attention on a friend of hers named Jennifer Escobar. Jennifer moved into Brenda's apartment in early August 2015. Brenda told Jennifer that she would buy her drugs or a car if she would help get revenge on Ricky and Kendra. Brenda mentioned things like a baseball bat and a coma, like using one to initiate the other. She also had fantasies of stabbing Kendra in the chest with a hypodermic needle or beating her to death. Jennifer moved out of the apartment. One of Jennifer's friends was a 23-year-old single mother named Crystal Cortez. She had visited Jennifer at the apartment a few times. Brenda started talking to Crystal about how bad Ricky and Kendra were and eventually offered Crystal $500 to assist in a murder plot. Crystal accepted the offer. Over the course of a few days, Brenda and Crystal drove around Crystal's neighborhood asking various men who they encountered if they were willing to murder somebody for payment. After dropping by the house of Crystal's mother, they encountered a 31-year-old small-time marijuana dealer named Christopher Love. He was building his criminal resume. He had convictions for burglary, robbery, and assault. His career aspirations included starting his own prostitution ring. They may want to reconsider redesigning the career day presentations at whatever school he attended. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Brenda lied to Christopher and said that she had connections to a drug cartel. She offered him $3,000 to join the murder conspiracy. Christopher said he would, and he even had his own pistol. On August 26, Brenda graduated from that dental hygiene program. Her family attended the graduation. Nobody noticed anything out of the ordinary. Ricky sent Brenda a text message wishing her luck on an upcoming exam. He also mentioned that as of August 31, she would no longer be on his cell phone plan. He was moving to Sacramento, California in October. Brenda assumed that Kendra was going to be with him, which was almost certainly correct. Ricky and Kendra had planned a trip to Cancun for a long weekend, starting on September 3. Brenda wanted to murder Kendra prior to that. On September 2, Crystal dropped Brenda off to meet a friend at a public library to study for her upcoming exam. So Brenda was studying with a friend. Brenda then went to a Chili's restaurant. 
she was trying to establish an alibi. Krista was driving a Jeep Cherokee that was a loaner vehicle from a shop where Brenda's BMW was being repaired. Brenda had a friend at that shop named Jose Ortiz. Crystal then picked up Christopher and drove to where Kendra worked. They tried to follow her home when she left work, but they lost her. They drove to Gables Park 17 and waited for her, knowing that she would have to arrive there at some point. After Kendra parked in the parking garage, Christopher shot her in the back of the head one time, killing her. He then took her purse and fled with Crystal in the Jeep Cherokee. All the police had was a blurry video of that vehicle. They released it, and Jose Ortiz recognized the Jeep Cherokee. Brenda told him that Crystal had it, and she thought that Crystal had a drug problem. Brenda told Jose to paint the Jeep Cherokee and not to tell anybody about their little talk. Jose went to the police and told them everything. The police interviewed Crystal. She made up the story that a man forced her to drive him to the parking garage to rob Kendra. Eventually, she admitted that Brenda paid her and the man to conduct the robbery, but she didn't know anything about a murder. When Brenda was interviewed, she denied any involvement. The police couldn't charge her. The police eventually arrested Christopher after finding the gun in the glove compartment of his vehicle. They started looking for Brenda, but she had taken a bus to Mexico. Brenda was a citizen of the U.S. and Mexico. When the Mexican authorities finally found her six months later, they would not extradite her unless the death penalty was off the table. The Dallas District Attorney's Office agreed, and Brenda was extradited. The prosecution offered Crystal a plea bargain, 35 years in prison for her testimony against the conspirators. She would be eligible for parole in just 15 years. She took the deal. Christopher was convicted and sentenced to death. Brenda was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now moving to my analysis. Other than the police, nobody believed that Brenda could have been involved in Kendra's murder, not even Ricky. Brenda had no history of criminality. She was kind, helpful, and pro-social. She had career plans. She had just graduated from that dental hygiene program. She wasn't like Christopher Love, who had a long, escalating history of violence. Her behavior just seemed to be out of character. In reality, her stalking behavior was a bad sign, and it had continued for a while. She had asked many people to kill Kendra. Each time she did that, she was almost certainly committing a crime, solicitation for murder. So in a sense, she did have what appeared to be an escalating criminal history, even though she was never arrested. Even still, initiating the stalking behavior seemed out of character. What happened to Brenda Delgado? I, of course, don't know the answer, but here's my theory. It's just my opinion. Brenda had a lot of self-esteem growing up. She had a caring family. She believed herself to be attractive and valuable. Men paid attention to her, only reinforcing that idea. She felt as though she could be selective. She would pick an ideal mate, get married, and have a family. So she was really focused on this notion of an ideal love or a perfect love. She wanted to be a physician, a career associated with some prestige, she identified with that group. She liked to go to expensive restaurants and shops. She really wanted a life among the elite. When she met Ricky, he checked all of the boxes. She thought of him as worthy to be with her. He was ideal. At the same time, because she had not achieved the same level of education or professional success, 
she started to feel less valuable than Ricky, like they were mismatched. She became insecure and defensive. After the first breakup, she started following him around. She wasn't willing to let him go. She managed to reunite with him at that dance studio. Then the second breakup occurred. This one had a final feel to it. She was devastated, but took some comfort in the fact that she could monitor his activity. She would know if he became too close to someone else. Her plan was to wait it out. She deserved him because she invested years in that relationship. Eventually, he would come back once he recognized how valuable she really was. Once Kendra came into the picture, Brenda felt desperate and defeated. Kendra was just as attractive, and she was a physician. She had achieved what Brenda could not achieve. In addition, Ricky seemed to respect Kendra more, love her more, like when he took her on several expensive vacations. Ricky and Kendra had everything in common. They were the perfect couple. They had obtained the ideal. They would live happily ever after. Kendra would have a life that Brenda could not have. Kendra was stealing everything that Brenda had earned. When Ricky informed Brenda that the phone plan deal was gone and he was moving, it was devastating in two ways. Brenda would lose her ability to spy on him and she would no longer be near him. He would no longer be in Texas. Brenda's world was crashing down. Her last bit of unrealistic hope had been dashed. Her sense of entitlement, envy, lack of empathy, and self-centeredness moved to the forefront. Those characteristics became activated, permitting her to accelerate her homicidal scheme. After the murder, she knew the police were on to her. Her desire for self-preservation overrode her attraction to Ricky. She fled to Mexico and started a new life, content in the fact that even though she couldn't have Ricky, at least she eliminated Kendra. At least she shattered Kendra's dreams. She denied Ricky the lover that he chose over her. Brenda had her revenge. Now Brenda has her entire life to repeatedly replay her actions, to explore how her narcissism caused an exceedingly high level of pain and suffering. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.